cataloging some of the many ways the church has blessed him. Here is Pastor Ed Taylor. God has done more good in my life than this world has ever done through his church. He's brought more great people into my life through his church. He has saved and rescued parts of my life that were destroyed through his church. He has encouraged me. I've received more encouragement in life from his church. I've received more joy from his church that God has put in my life. I love the church. This is amazing grace. The church today gets a lot of criticism and very little praise in the public square. Perhaps it's due to some misunderstanding of what the church is and is to be about, which raises some questions like what really is the church and why does it exist? Well, we'll delve into those basic yet profound questions today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're continuing a study in Romans chapter 12. Here now is Pastor Ed. Well, let's pick up in verse 3. Would you as we left off the last time we were together. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And we looked at that in depth. To have a sober-minded view of ourselves, not too high, thinking maybe the longer we've been around, the more seniority we have, the more obligations have people, you know, we deserve things now. No, 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 don't go too high, but also don't go too low where it's the opposite, of, the opposite side of pride is where I think too highly of myself, but also I think too lowly of myself. Like, you know, oh, Lord, you can never use me, and, and, and who am I? And, and you know, that, that's both, both of those attitudes kind of push God out of the picture. If God's in your life, then he's going to use you as you are. You don't want to draw so much attention to yourself. You don't want to be, well, what about me? What about me? The, really what God is looking, what about God in your life? And how is God using you? And what does he want to do in your life? Verse 3. And then he gets to verse 4. He says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And that's a picture, a metaphor of the church. The Bible uses many pictures of the church. And the one that Paul introduces to us today is a body. You all have physical bodies, so it makes for a really good illustration to understand the interdependence that we have with one another in the church. Now, when I mention that word church, what comes to mind? I'll tell you. Many times it comes to mind. When I say church, the first thing that pops into your mind is what? A building. Right? Probably some of you this morning woke up this morning, let's go to church. And what you meant by that was, let's all get together, get cleaned up, get in the car. We're going to a piece of property, an address, a building, park our car, walk into the building, and I want to worship God today. I'm going to church. And so on the way to church, we drive by many other churches. And even though we might use the word in a, in a unique way, the church in the Bible doesn't refer to a building. The church refers to you. You and I are the church. Now, there's two words uh, that I see in the New Testament that God uses to describe the church. One is the word ecclesia, and it literally means called out ones, referring to the church. A group of called out ones. That's a great picture. 
A group of people that have been called out from the world to go back into the world. That's a cool picture. And there's another word that's used to describe the church. It's the word synagogue. We get our English synagogue from. And that word literally means to assemble together, to come together. And so together, those two words give us a good picture of who and what the church really is. The church is you. And so, yes, we gather together in a location like we are now for services. But listen, church doesn't start at 845. Our services might, 845, 1045, 6 o'clock on Saturday, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Church doesn't start at 845, and it doesn't end at the end of the service, you know, right when we're done. Well, we're done now, it's 1015, it's 1215, we're out the door because church is over. No, church doesn't start, church doesn't end. You're the church, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we get to gather together as a church, we assemble together, but in the Bible, there are so many great pictures of the church, of the gathering, of who we are in him. And here Paul says, you're a body. And how inspiring it is for us to think. You know, God says to us, I'm bringing you together for worship and encouragement and edification. I'm bringing you together. This is a big part of your life. You don't always get this kind of encouragement in the world. You don't always get this kind of encouragement at home. You don't always get this kind of encouragement at work. But there are times that are set for the body of believers to come together and you're just built up. God said, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to grow. I want you to come together. But you're still the church even when you're not here. And that's why we're able to use technology as a way to spread the gospel. Because your physical presence isn't necessary to be a part of the church. Isn't it great? You can go anywhere on the planet Earth and you meet another believer, and there's an instant connection. You may not even be able to speak the same language, but you share the same spirit. It's so cool. It's wonderful. The church, you, me, not a building, not a location. And we're safe from the world to go back into the world, and it's amazing to me. More and more as we see the fellowship family here growing, of how you guys come from all over for our service times, to gather together in this fellow. This, this is your home church. This is where you belong. But you come from all over, from the mountains to the plains, all over the place. I mean, I'll literally be driving around the metro area. I'll be driving all over the place, and I'll see those stickers or those license plate frames, and I'll say, oh, that's a brother. That's a sister. Right on. I mean, it's so cool when you get cut off on I-25, and there's that sticker right there. <laughs> And you're like, praise the Lord, I got cut off by a brother, man, yeah. And you might even want to catch up to him and go, good job, brother. We're going to start a new ministry, teach you how to drive, man. <laughs> but it's encouraging to be all over town. And you know, you may go to this service, and you don't know a lot of people in first service, you don't know people on Saturday night, but we have these larger gatherings like our, coming, our upcoming water baptism where you're going to really be able to come out to the reservoir and see the enormity, the size of the fellowship family that you're a part of, and it's encouraging to say, that's my brother, that's my sister, that family. I, I share the same thing in common with them, not only with the Lord, but our fellowship family. I may not know them yet, but oh, how cool it is to know that God is assembling and calling people out from all over the metro area to gather here together from all different social backgrounds, from all different religious backgrounds, from different ethnic upbringings and where you come from ethnically. The color of your skin might be different. The amount of hair on your head might be different. Only bald people laugh at that one, man. Because it just happens, right? You started out with so much. 
and you end with so little. <laughs> That's just a side note, sorry, just thinking about it. All over Denver, think about it. All over Denver, from the mountains to the plains, God's bringing us together. Why? Well, it's a move of his spirit. The spirit of God moving through us and among us, illuminating and establishing a fellowship family in his word. Nothing else will replace God's word being taught by the Holy Spirit to us and through us. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love the church. God has done more good in my life than this world has ever done through his church. He's brought more great people into my life through his church. He has saved and rescued parts of my life that were destroyed through his church. He has encouraged me. I've received more encouragement in life from his church. I've received more joy from his church. I've received more faith and strength being surrounded. Remember our definition of the church, that's you. So when you say, I love the church of Jesus Christ, what you're really saying is, I love people that God has redeemed and put in my life. I love the church. Let me just say this. Let me take it one step further. I love this church. Calvary Aurora, I love this church. I've said it many times, and I'll continue to repeat it. Even if I didn't have the responsibilities that I have here, that even if I wasn't a pastor here in the fellowship, I would still want my family to be a part of this church. This is such a cool, great, wonderful group of people, this church, and I love it with all my heart, and I pray God only continues to expand my love for his church. But it seems like there are so many things being thrown your way to make you not love the church. Have you noticed that? I mean, you might come to church here and instead of getting a warm welcome, hello, we're glad you're here, the first person you meet is a grouch. And they say, hello, glad you're here. Get out of my chair or whatever, you know. You took my parking space and now you took my favorite chair. What is your problem? And you're like, dude, what is your problem, man? I just came here to worship God, and, and then instead of just seeking the Lord, you're now you're in a fight because they're grouchy. I don't know why you guys come to church grouchy, but it happens, right? People are grouchy. You know, I'm not a morning person, so it's a good thing you're here at second service. <laughs> I get grouchy. I'm not the happiest person to be around at 6 a.m. or whatever. It's like, man. But see, here's the thing. If you allow someone else's bad day to become your bad day, then it's going to shade your view of the church. Okay, so you met a few grouchy people coming to church, but okay, why are you so upset about it? Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they, well, maybe they need you to be a little more spiritually sensitive, and instead of responding in the flesh to their grouchiness, you just say, you know, are you okay today? Because you look like a grouch. I, mean, I don't know if you want to do that, but I mean, are you okay today? Are you all right? You know, a lot of times people just have bad attitudes. They, they may have had a bad week. They may have had some bad news. And this is, how they, this, is how, this is just how they express through grouchiness or frustration. They just express that they're hurting. Oh, no, no, because we take everything personal, huh? It's all about us. Everybody should be happy and everybody should be... Hey, let me just tell you, would you just take one moment... I'm sorry that people who are listening on the radio can't do this, but would you just take one moment? Would you turn around and look at people? Just turn to the left and turn to the right. Really, do that. Turn around. Look around at the people around you. Let me just tell you something. And maybe the internet, you guys, there, there you are. Look at that. Look at that. You get a whole picture right there. You see that? You see that? Which camera is it? Is it this one? So you see that? that I just want you to see what you see right there. There it is. And I'll put myself in there too. 
That's a bunch of messed up people right there. Right there. The difference is, is that we are messed up in different ways, and we have better days and bad days, but the people you're surrounded, we are not perfect. We're not going to exhibit perfection to you. And how you respond, how you respond to the people in your life is going to determine where your heart goes. I mean, think about it. You come into the sanctuary, you come onto the property today, if you've got some kind of attitude like, like, well, everybody needs to be nice to me today, then you just set yourself up for failure. You know, your coming here today has really little to do what people do to you, but more what Jesus wants to speak to your heart. That's why we gather together. Now, God is going to use people in your life, but imagine, what if we all came here today? What if every single one of us, we woke up in the morning and our hearts connected to the Spirit was like, I'm going to go to the gathering today. I'm going to hang out with the fellowship today, and I'm just going to seek out 10 people to serve. I mean, we'd be all asking. You'd be asked like eight or nine times. Are you okay? You okay? You okay? You okay? You okay? Can I serve you? Can I tie your shoes? What can I do for you? Can I park your car, wash your car? What can I do for you? And you wouldn't have time to be thinking about what people aren't doing for you. You wouldn't have time to be thinking about, well, nobody said hi to me. Well, man, how many people did you say hi to do? Are you serious? Nobody said hi to me. And then, then the enemy says, oh, you don't love that church. And then you go, well, I'm going to go down to the church because they they're the most, the most friendliest. And they, but you know what happens? You, you know, we live in a consumer society. Have you noticed? It's not, it's not hard to see that. We've been told and we've been brought up, the customer's always right, have it your way, blah, blah, blah. We've all been brought up that way. So what happens is we bring that lousy attitude into the church. And you go, oh, I'm going to come in, and what have you done for me lately, pastor? <laughs> what have I done for you? Let's rephrase that question a little bit. What have you done for the Lord? And what has he done for you? You get that in straight, God starts to line up all the other things in your life. Okay, so maybe you're going through tough times right now. But do you think you're the only one that's going through tough times? You're not. There's a lot of tough times flowing through our church. There's a lot of heartache, a lot of suffering. Just as the Bible says, when one part of the body hurts, the whole part, the whole body hurts. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And it's all easily, well, it's all easily used to make you and I a very self-centered, selfish person. And nobody could please us. You've got to realize that. Please, church, for your own spiritual health, when you are self-centered and selfish, no one can please you. That's why you get so frustrated. Even when people try, they kind of see it in your face, they see it in your life. Well, I'm going to try to serve my And then because you haven't let it go and you haven't, you haven't just allowed the Holy Spirit and you're so selfish and it's all about you, nobody can please you. And it gets just worse and worse and worse until you repent and say, Lord, I've been so selfish. I don't want to be selfish. I need to be selfless. Jesus, you set the pattern for that. And I'm just here to say that I love the family of God. I love this church. I love the church. I love what God is doing among his church. And you know, there's many pictures that I've seen over the years of the church. And I want to share them with you. If you're taking notes, there's a few pictures that I like to remind you of what I believe God's church is to be. Number one, I believe God's church is to be a spiritual hospital. A spiritual hospital. So that means that a lot of sick people are going to be around you. A lot of them. You're going to be surrounded in this environment with spiritually sick people. Crack addicts are going to be sitting next to you. Prostitutes. People that are drug addicts and all hung up with all sorts of gross immorality in their life. And if you have the attitude of, oh, they don't belong here, what? What do you mean they don't belong here? 
my Jesus hung out with the prostitutes and my Jesus hung out with the outcasts and if my Jesus hung out with those that needed him the most, the sick ones, the ones that society and the religious rulers wouldn't serve, the ones that nobody cared about, the, no one, the ones that nobody helped, don't you think if Jesus did that, that that's what his church should look like? But what happens is we want an antiseptic, clean, sanitary place. And let me just tell you, Calvary Aurora will never be that. And if we become that, we have lost our vision and the reason why we exist. Because in a setting like this, the gospel is preached every single time we gather. And so, you know, that crack addict just needs hope. That prostitute, or not even a prostitute, maybe the guy or the gal has got sexual sin and they do it for free. They need hope. That alcoholic needs to get rid of the bottle, but they need hope. You know, a lot of times we'll focus on the wrong thing. We'll say, well, let's just get them off crack and let's get them off alcohol and let's, let's clean up their life on the outside. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We should, but understand that if you have a person that's unsaved and all you do is cause him to quit drinking, then what you have is a sober heathen that's still going to hell. And so I say, hey, 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 man, take care of all those outward needs. But in the church of Jesus Christ, it's a spiritual hospital shooting at spiritual needs. And the thing, the antidote that God has given to every human being is salvation. And a guy gets saved, then he stops drinking, stops hitting his wife and taking advantage of his kids. And a gal gets saved and she starts to clean up her act and she starts to see, oh, God, I'm a vessel for you. And then these stories get repeated over and over and over again. But can you imagine a doctor walking in for a shift in the morning and saying, what are all these sick people doing here? Can I have a day with no sick people? Oh, we would not want to hear that from a doctor, would we? You know, you doctors, you nurses, those of you that are in the medical field, you've been gifted with this compassion and this love that when you walk into the hospital, you're looking for the sick people because you want to help them. You know, you've got the skills to help them. You got the skill. So thank you for that compassion. Those of you that work in law enforcement and those of you that really care for the welfare of others, and also, I can't go in all the places where you guys work, but you can take that same attitude and minister the gospel. And you're going into a world that's a hospital and needs spiritual attention. Jesus himself, didn't he say that he came not for those that were well? He came to bless the sick. I mean, we're saved. We're in. Like, we're in. This is it. We, we have salvation. And now, how is God going to use our life to take care of all our selfish desires? No way. He's going to say, Ed, get over your selfishness, open yourself to me, and I'll blow your mind on what I'll do through your life. And I say, yes, Lord, that's my desire. That's what I want to see. I don't want life to surround me. I don't want everything to be happen to me. I don't want to be so concerned about what they didn't say or why didn't they do this. Or, you know what, I'm just going to leave it to the Lord. And that way, God continues to foster a love for people because we're all imperfect. We all have to make room for each other. Make room for me, I'll make room for you. And we can grow together in the things of God. A hospital, spiritually sick people all around us. Praise God for that. Getting saved week after week, month after month, year after year. The second thing I see a church as, and I know these phrases, these words are not in the Bible. You're not going to say, whoa, a verse says a church is a hospital. The words aren't there, but the principles are. And so I'm just using words to help us relate today. So we can kind of connect it today. The second thing I see the church is is a restaurant. <laughs> a restaurant. You know, especially you guys here in second service, I, a restaurant's a good picture in a couple ways because second service, it's really hard to find a parking space unless you're here early. 
And so sometimes you can get really frustrated about that. It always breaks my heart when I see people not find a parking space and just leave instead of parking on the street because we got parking on the street all the way around the corner, but they just leave. And it always breaks my heart. I wish we had more parking, but we don't. But if you went to a restaurant and you showed up, like somebody told you, hooked up to this restaurant, it's brand new in town, and you finally get around to showing up at the restaurant and only two cars are in the parking lot, the chef and the owner, <laughs> don't you think you'd have a problem eating? Like, where's anybody eating here, man? Where is everybody at? What's wrong with the food here? But if somebody hooked you up on a restaurant and you came to that restaurant and the parking lot's full and people are in line, you're thinking in your mind, I bet you the food is good there. I bet you I'm going to make time. I may not be able to stay this time. I'm going to make time to be in that place. And, and here in our congregation, a church has to be a good restaurant serving up good, well-balanced spiritual meals in God's word. And that's our commitment to you here. We want you to be able to eat and feast on God's word that you might be built up by God's word. And so every service we dedicate a large amount of time to teaching through God's word, answering questions in your life. And I know it might be difficult sometimes to get a parking space or with the children's ministry or whatever it might be, but I'm just asking be patient because we want to feed you God's word. We want to be that place where you can grow, where you can come and not only receive, but you can come and expect. Like, I want to be taught God's word. I don't get it anywhere else. I want it in my fellowship family. I want that. A third thing I see is that the church is a great picture of a training center, a training center. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. So men and women, we come here to be taught and to be strengthened, to be supported, to learn what the Bible says and what it means for our lives. To not only learn the background and the essence of God's word, but also how does it translate into my life? How do I live out God's word? Well, this is the place. We want to train you and equip you. This is so beautiful. It fits right with our vision. But to win a person to Jesus Christ, we have to be a hospital. You don't win people to Jesus Christ unless you're around sick people, unless you're out out in the highways and the byways sharing the gospel. And so in order to see God use us to bring people to himself, we've got to be a spiritual hospital. And then once a person is one to Jesus Christ and they are saved, then the discipleship starts. When disciples sin, now we begin to disciple and build up and train and teach and help and pray and comfort and all the things that go with discipleship. And so we're a training center so you can be supported. Fourth thing that I see the church is, is a gymnasium. You go out to the gym, right? And what do you do when you go to the gym? You work out. And this needs to be a place where you can work out, where you can discover and exercise your spiritual gifts, where spiritually you can start to exercise. For some of you, you haven't been in the game for a long time. You haven't exercised your spiritual gifts. I know that some of you may not even know your spiritual gifts, but as we go through in the coming weeks, we're going to teach you. You're going to know what your spiritual gifts are and how to use them and where they fit. It's going to be beautiful. I hope you're expecting it and waiting for it. It's going to be great to exercise. This is a great environment to learn how to exercise your gifts so that when you go out into the world, you can exercise your gifts as the church goes out into the world. A hospital, a restaurant, a school, and a gym. All clear pictures on what the church is. But there's still more to consider about the church, and we'll do that next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Abounding Grace.
Before we wrap things up, I do want to mention a few things that may be of interest to you. For those who would like to hear this study from Romans again, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also have an app, and that's a great way to catch Abounding Grace when it's most convenient. Listen to us on your mobile device. You can download it for free when you search for Calvary Aurora. There's a lot that goes into making all this happen, as you might imagine, and we look to the Lord to provide and guide. And if He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either monthly support or a one-time donation, first of all, thank you. And second, we'd like to send you something as a tangible expression of our gratitude. When you give $25 or more, you're invited to request Don Stewart's excellent book, 25 Signs We Are Near the End. In these difficult days, many are wondering how close we are to the end. Well, Don Stewart looks to the Bible to help you answer that. He believes there are 25 signs that would suggest we are near the end, like the miracle of Israel's survival, the preparations being made to build the third temple. The stage is also being set for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasion. Read all about it in 25 Signs We Are Near the End. Just call 877-30-GRACE and we can take your request. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. There's much more to come in Romans, so try to set aside a half hour each day to join us for Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor relates the truths we find here to everyday living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 